Welcome to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, where our goal is to connect listeners to the great outdoors with hosts Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. I'm host Ben Brandell, owner of Meant to Be Outdoors, instructor of outdoor skills, and passionate about personal growth. I'm host Brian Hoffmeyer, wildlife biologist and avid outdoorsman. Welcome back to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast. I'm your host, Brian, with my co-host, Ben Brandell, and this is another Thursday episode. Today, we are talking about white bass fishing. It is one of the spring traditions here in the Ozarks. I know for sure that's the only place I've really ever lived, but I know many parts of the country where white bass are a game fish that it is, it's a heritage, it's a tradition. People look forward to it. They do it every year, uh, passed down through the generations, and we have been out trying to catch some of these white bass lately. So we're going to talk all about that today. But before we do, we need to give thanks. I am so thankful for seasons. Spring is here upon us. The temps are highs and lows. I love when it's really hot some days and then really cold the next. I love that. Man, I'm, I love that you can start seeing all the color changes taking place. I'm so thankful for the seasons. I'm thankful for this springtime because winter, I kind of get, what is it, not depressed, but I just get tired of the grays and I'm starting to see more greens. We're starting to see a lot of the plants and trees starting to bloom. It just brings me so much an excitement and joy. And so I am thankful for spring. Thanks for leaving out uh, all the dandelions in my yard when you're naming <laughs> off colors there. I did. There's, There's a, lot, a lot of yellow out there. A lot, right of, a lot of yellow out there. Thanks for, thanks for leaving that uh-huh. out. I'm going to kind of almost second that, Ben. I am so thankful for the longer days right now, you know, through the winter, as soon as we finish supper, it's dark outside. You can't even hardly go out and play, but some warmer evenings and longer days, and we have just been spending so much time outdoors in the evenings with my kids and on the weekends. It, it Everybody just seems happier and healthier. You know, they we sleep better because we're getting out more energy and getting exercise. I am just so thankful uh, to be outside, to be able to spend more time outdoors because of the longer days. You know, kids' behavior is even better when they are outside and get to spend more time outside and then when they come in I just I really feel like the kids whether because they're exhausted (laughs) or just because they got to be outside and enjoying the creation um yeah they're better for it yeah I was gonna say I don't know the science behind that or really have any proof for it other than just witnessing it when kids spend time outdoors their behavior is better in all other facets of of their lives and it honestly makes parenting a little easier it does you're right so, why are we talking about white bass fishing today? What What is the point of, uh, we're, I guess, is this the first week of April? Yeah, first week of April now. Gosh, time is flying by. What brings us to this topic today for this yeah. episode? Why I wanted to share and talk about white bass is because white bass fishing has been something I have been doing majority of my life. I can't even remember the first time or who I went with. I just remember it's innate, like it's something that I've, been able to to do or wanted to do every spring. White bass spend most of their life in the lake, but in the springtime they're coming up into the river and it provides an opportunity to, to catch them and to catch a lot of them. Right. But you don't have a lot of time to do it. The sad part is is that they are coming up when turkey hunting starting and mushroom hunting and, and the largemouth bass. And so it's kind of one more thing added in of like, I want to do. Yeah. But the good thing is, is that they do come up usually earlier than a lot of the other fun things to do in spring. And so it kind of kicks off my spring for me. It's it's the first thing that I go out and search for. Once they start running up the river, it's kind of that kickoff to let me know, hey, everything else is about to come too. So 
it's just uh, it's really a tradition like you talked about tradition for me and I guess the last reason is for me personally that I love to take people fishing and this is a species that is great to introduce people to so from kids to adults that maybe don't go fishing a lot this is an awesome time to go out and allow them to catch white bass you say that but why is that? What are some things that make it a great way to introduce people to fishing? So three things that I have off the top of my mind right now is that if you don't have a boat, you can go to the bank and catch these fish because they're moving from the lake up the river. So that leads to my number two, that you're starting to minimize water area. So these fish run upriver, run upstream, and they will go, I mean, to the narrowest of narrows to get up to the first shoal, past the shoal. But what I mean is, is that you're not fishing huge amounts of water it's you it's really control is narrow down it's bottleneck down to where when you cast that itty bitty bait that little eighth ounce bait you are maximizing how many fish can see that bait and and it increases your odds to catching a fish because they are stacked in in large numbers up into the river two is these fish when it's ready to bite when they're hungry when they're ready to bite you can catch. There's a lot of catching. You, there's a lot of catching that can take place. And so those are the three reasons why. One, you can fish from the bank. Two, you're getting up into some narrower waterways, so you have more of an opportunity to catch them. And three, it's a species of fish that, that are easier to catch than yeah. other species. Something I think I'd like to add to that, Ben, is the casting. It's not really a precise casting that's required for it. You're really just kind of casting out to open water. You're not casting to targets. Mm. And spinning tackle is, is used so often, so it's easier to learn and, and target these fish. You're not having to make a, a precise flip or skip with a bait caster. That's true. You know, bait cast <clears throat> fishing, you know, there are lures that require you to have an, a, a really big open face reel because you're you're using big line. And it is harder to cast and harder to use. A spinning rod is a lot more simpler using lighter weight, line, tackle. And it is easier for your novice or your new people that are wanting to go fish to, to do. So it's awesome. It's, it just brings all that together. Um, that's why I, I think probably I was introduced to it. Someone took me knowing that it was uh, more of an easier fish to catch. And it's, again, I think a lot of guides here in this area use this opportunity to put people on fish because right. they're easier to catch. Well, when you're taking people fishing, the most difficult thing to do is to find fish, or really, when you're fishing at all. Finding the fish is 90% of the game. It's really good, yeah. And when these fish are packing into a small area, it is not difficult to find them. Right. Once you find the fish, now the next um, difficulty is what's it going to take to catch them. Right. right. And I don't want people to, to be mistaken or take us wrong. You can catch these fish... Oh, 12 months out of the year, but spring, why are we talking about this right now is because this is the only time this short little couple week window when they go flying up this river in, Ben likes to use the word hordes, by the masses, the the numbers, Mm -hmm. all the males, all the females, they are coming from big 40,000 acre lakes and going up the rivers. Um, the lake, our home lake, we, is Table Rock Lake, and it's a highland reservoir. And what that means is there are several rivers that flow down, and they were all dammed up together into one big, I think it's 43,000 acres is roughly the size of Table Rock Lake. But you can still put your boat in the lake and find where these rivers dump into the lake and take your boat up these rivers, and that's what we do. We go up the James River. It's not the only one that you can go up to catch white bass on Table Rock, but we go up the James River and... There's some competition up there. We're not the only ones. There's a lot of people looking for white bass, the crappie fishing up that this time of year. 
uh, crappie and white bass, they move up shallow at the same water temperature. So a lot of times, uh, kind of the same areas. So you'll be a lot of boats. And again, you're fishing smaller waters, but also the spoonbill fishing. It is mm-hmm. it is snagging season for spoonbill. So there are a ton of boats out there trying to snag spoonbill. So you kind of have to navigate through them as well. And you do have to be safe as well from the rain there's a lot of flooding that happens in the spring that comes down these rivers. So you really need to know where you're going. And if you don't take your time to find that out, you know, I was reading an old article on white bass fishing and I say old, it was from 2018 and it was a couple paragraphs long, but five years ago now, man, that is it, <laughs> flying by, but the description itself reminded me of what just took place this year, what's happening right now. So every spring, you know, we're always looking at the water levels are going to rise. And when that happens, you're going to have flooding. And with that flooding is going to become debris. And when the water levels are rising, it's almost like telling these fish, hey, come on, get on up here, right? right. So I want to be out there with them too, but you do have to be so careful. Um, but that's what this article was talking about of this is when, and you know, your April, this time of year is when these white bass are going to run. But it was also saying, be careful of, of, floating debris because you don't want to mess up your boat. But don't be fearful of that. There are so many places along the the river systems, wherever you are, that you can actually fish from the bank for these fish. You know, these fish, white bass, I think the nickname for them is called sandies, uh, sand sand bass. bass. You know, they do love the muddy bank side. And you might even catch some catfish too. But on that muddy bank side, a lot of times you don't have to be on some river you don't have to be on some deep bluff end and bluffy. You can find those river bends on the muddy side too that that are going to hold these fish. Yeah, which is, uh, you know, that's kind of a place you typically wouldn't fish if you're largemouth fishing, smallmouth bass fishing. Really, a catfish would be the only reason you even fish these kind of muddy sandy bank sides. But these whites, they'll they will get in there as well. You know, another really good reason to do this. You can load your boat. You take two or three guys in a boat and everybody gets a limit. This is a great way to have an Easter fish fry. If you want to get a bunch of fresh fish to have a fish fry in the spring around Easter with your family, white bass fishing when they're running up the river, this is a great way to do that. That's another reason we're talking about this today. And we've been twice in the last couple weeks and we want to share that with you. Um, Limited success, but we'll talk about all the ins and outs and, and why one trip was better than the other as we go through the podcast here. You know, what exactly is a white bass, Ben? Everybody knows bass. Anybody that's in the outdoor, they hear about bass. But most people typically think when they hear bass, largemouth or smallmouth bass, spotted bass are gaining a lot of popularity as they're being stocked in more and more lakes. What is a white bass? You know, I'm going to let you go over the biology side, but as any angler, you are... Well, it is your responsibility to know your different types of fish, what they look like, um, because there are regulations. And so it's so important that, you know, even if you're not a biologist and know the scientific name, which I'm going to have Brian share here in a minute, um, you know, white really, bass. really makes, their scientific name really makes me think of you. I know. That's why I can't wait for you to share it. <laughs> um, you know, white bass, they look to me like nothing else that's coming up the river. It's it's really, I guess if if I was to be confused, maybe a white crappie. But, you know, a white bass has really five little itty black lines running down its side. Um, it is a silvery, kind of a bluish color. Yeah. Um, a really small mouth, not a very big mouth to it. And the fight that these put <laughs> I mean, a white bass, when you have one on the other end line, 
it fights similar to what I'm going to say a smallmouth. Like it's they got, re- they really dig. They, they do they dig. dig straight down, pull hard. And yeah. you can really feel that. Like when it's on, you're like, oh, this is a white bass or a smallie. Like there's, I've got it. Like there's not a lot of jumping <laughs> up in the air to throw your hook or anything no. that goes on. You know, and and I think to to share when I catch a white bass, they do have what I'm going to call teeth on their tongue, and so they're they're not this paper mouth. Um, you can just tell the difference between a white bass and a crappie. And, um, yeah, Brian, what are some other things on the biology side? What what helped me to understand what a white bass is? Well, yeah, let's talk about species they're related to, things that we know we can help us under understand some similarities. So white bass, while their name is bass, they are not actually closely related to largemouth, smallmouth, spotted bass. That's all the black bass family. And they are not closely related to them at all. They're actually in the completely own family. Uh, the common name is the temperate bass family. The scientific name is Moronidae is the name of that family. That's why Ben loves them so much. Moronidae. He just <laughs> uh-huh. loves that name. I he do. just fits with it. That's why he connects to these white bass. That's right. Similar species would be like a striped bass. Um, there's hybrid bass. White bass and, and striped bass can actually um, breed. And, and then there's a hybrid bass that comes from that. But also you've got yellow bass. Um, what are some other ones? The There's a perch. A yellow white perch. perch. White, or, perch. Or, or white perch. White sorry. perch. Yes, yep. White perch. Um, something that these uh, temperate bass, the white bass and striped bass, something that really differs from them is their body shape. They're kind of, uh, they'll call it deep from top to bottom, from dorsal fin to pectoral fin. And if you look at them from the front or the back, they're kind of flat. They don't they don't get real big bellies. They're kind of flat. Um almost like kind of frisbee shaped. I, I don't know if that's a great way to explain it, but if you were to turn a frisbee up on its edge, that's kind of how these fish are shaped. Not so round, more oval, but they're really powerful swimmers mm-hmm. and they're always moving. This is not a fish that sits still. They school a ton. They're always schooling. They're always moving, uh, looking to eat. They're actually considered what's called a pelagic fish, which means during most of the year, they are out in the deep waters, out in the lake, moving in 20 to 50 feet of water, moving in big schools, looking for bait. They're also considered to be pisciforms, which means they only eat other fish. So they're adult forms of white bass and striped bass. They only eat other little minnows and shad, and they're not looking for worms or bugs or crawfish or things like that. They only eat other fish. You know, and I've found that, that when I'm fishing for them, fishing on the bottom doesn't help me. I, I don't seem to catch very many white bass when I'm fishing on the bottom. I have to come up into that water column, up right. to where I'm imagining they might be um, in order to get that bite. So that makes sense that these guys aren't down there, you know, uh, with their heads down right. trying to, like, eat in the rock levels. They're schooled up, kind of looking maybe in front of them and above them. Well, you can see um, that. Sometimes when you're fishing for black bass, largemouth or, or smallmouth, if you're using a shad imitating bait, sometimes you will catch a white bass. But yeah. if you're crawling the bottom with a Texas rig or a jig, it's probably, I never have, I'm sure somebody has, but I never have caught a white bass dragging a bait on the bottom. So you can see that. That's a really good indication of where they spend their life and the forage that they eat on. Let's talk about why they run up the river. <clears throat> so when you think about black bass, one of the one of the most well-known things about them is what they do during the spawn. They go up shallow and they actually make these nests or beds. They clear out these big circles where people can see them in really shallow water And the female will come in and lay the eggs, and then her mate, she'll have one mate, one male, she'll come in. He will come in and fertilize those eggs. White bass are so different. Mm -hmm. They don't nest. They don't make beds. They're running up this river when the water 
most people are going to say like 55 to 60 degrees. In our experience, for us, if that water hits 50, mm-hmm. these fish are going up that river. Even if it's like 49, you can go up there and start to see some of them. So we'll say 50 degrees. They're going up this river. They're going to go till they can't go. Yeah, and let me explain. There's there's deeper water away from the river. It's still considered river. You're not in the lake, but you have this backwater where it's deeper. And <clears> these <throat> fish will come in. Um, I call the hordes, but they come in. There's a lot of numbers just setting there, like waiting to make this run, right? Mm-hmm. And so at 50 degrees, you can find them, you know, way back in that. Closer that, to the lake. Closer to the lake area, but still technically river. And you can troll for them. You can still fish for them. But once, man, once, I'm going to say 54. I don't know if that's a special number, but it seems like yeah, right there before perfect. 55, whoop, here we go. Like they're they're yeah. leaving that deeper and really headed up to that shallow water. But I want to make a, I'm going to, I'm going to, it's a God claim here. It's it's a creation claim. You know, white bass go upriver from the lake. But I've always wondered, we have a lot of rivers and creeks running into the main river, I'll call it. So, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call that one area. We have James River, but we have a flat creek running into James River. And white bass run up both. They're going up both of these arms that are coming off the river. And I always thought, well, why don't they all go up one? Why do they split off and why are they going up to these different areas? And then I thought, man, if they did, you would have millions, you right. know, and then you wouldn't have any up this creek. Why are, why are, why, why do white bass know or go up one little bitty creek, but then all the others will go up the river up to even farther and then go up into other little creeks? Like, why is that happening? Why don't they pick the warmest water and go do what they do? Well, it was actually a study done in Arkansas that I found is that white bass will actually go back to where they had hatched from. Correct. Right? Yeah. And <clears throat> and for me I'm like, well why would that why why would they do that? Like evolution would for me evolution would be like they would go to the quickest warmest water that they need to find to go do what they need to do to get back to do what they do. Yeah. But instead it shows they go back where they hatch because if there wasn't designed to this creation, we would have millions of fish on top of millions of fish up one waterway. They wouldn't even, yeah, there wouldn't <laughs> be even, enough water. Yeah. Right. So it just it just shows it just man it, I, yeah creation shows God's hand in all of it and white bass is no exception. Yeah. It's, it's so awesome. So but white bass to me are similar to that salmon. You know we see the salmon yeah, going it up. It is like a salmon run. Yeah. And they they make their little run, but man, it is so fun when they when they start running. Yeah, the reason they run up, the the females are going to go and basically the a whole bunch of males are going to chase and she's going to go up to the to the first shoal which depending on how high the water is is in different spots at different years. She's basically going to go to where she cannot go up the river anymore when the water is the right temperature and she's fully developed all all of her eggs. She's going to let them go and those males are going to come through and try to kind of just mass fertilize all these eggs that she's let out. And then within a couple days of that, they are going to hatch and those little teeny tiny white bass fry are going to try to survive there in the river until they're big enough. They're going to make their way all the way back to the lake as well. But they're constantly moving these fish. They go up the river, they lay their eggs, and then they go back on down to the lake. They don't stay in the river until the next year. They go all the way back down to live their summers in the deep water kind of live in that constantly moving, schooling, pelagic life. In high school, the only real time that I had to white bass fish was usually um, of an evening into like midnight. And I would find these times, like sometimes it was between midnight and 2 a.m. that they would do 
like a feeding frenzy. Like I would try to be out there for this to take place and you could catch like 10 in five minutes. I mean, it was just mm-hmm. that fast, that quick. It was so much fun. But it was happening of a night and what was happening during those times is that that first shoal that Brian's talking about, a shoal is super shallow water, so much that you can't even really get a boat up it. Right. You really have to have what's called a jet boat. And maybe you're asking yourself, well, what's a jet boat? It's a propless motor that allows you to get into really, really shallow water to get up over that shallow water to get up into your, you know, your deeper pools. But these fish will go up at least to that first shoal to lay. And some people were illegally taking white bass out by picking them up by hand because as you have a lot of a lot of white bass coming up this shoal you can stand in the shoal and it's only ankle to maybe shin deep and you can you can grab these fish which you're not supposed to do you're not supposed to be grabbing them with a net and scooping them up but you could because they are coming up and that's when the spawn was taking place that's when I was actually seeing these fish come up and and you could shine a light on the water and you would see well you would see eggs and all kinds of other things taking place there so Really crazy to see that of an evening, but that's when I found in my waterways, that's when it was taking place was, right. was of an eye. Yeah, they, they have to have that current for their fertilization right. process to go. They, they have to be in current. And right below that shoal, you know, that's that's that shallow two to three foot zone of water. And that's where we push up in with our boat. And right before they go up under that, the couple of days before, that's when you can really go in and, and catch some fish. You know, you mentioned catching 10 at a time. What what are our limits and, and regulations on these fish here in Missouri where we fish? So in Missouri, this is the same for white bass, stripers, and hybrid. So what they call wipers. But you can only catch and keep 15. So if you're going to do catch and release, then as long as you don't harm the fish, you can let them go. But the, you can only keep 15 in your daily limit possession however per person not per boat per person correct then when you talk about possession limit that is 30 which here in the ozark in missouri a possession limit is really double your daily limit that's so any daily limit that you have when you double it that's going to be your possession limit for missouri i don't know if that's the way for all states but it is here and so in your freezer you in theory could only have 30 right i guess until you eat them or or to give them away but anyway so we can only catch 15 but there is one other added piece of information you have to know is that if you catch 18 inches so you can only keep four fish that are longer than 18 inches Mm -hmm. and that happens especially these big sows that are coming up where we are we have caught some before that were over 18 inches and you can get in trouble if you're keeping more than that. So make for sure that you have a measuring tape if you're going to keep the longer fish. Otherwise, there is no length limit. So most of the time, people aren't out measuring these white bass because they're short, stubby. But the moment that you catch one that you think is close to 18 inches, you better be measuring because if you're going to keep a whole limit of 15, you can only keep four that are longer than 18 within your possession of 15. I think the reasoning for that is those 18 inches and above, those are those big, healthy breeding stock females. Those are the ones that you want to keep reproducing. Those are the ones that are making that run every year up and down the river um, healthily, and, and they're producing mass amounts of eggs because they're larger fish. We don't want to completely wipe out the population of those, and because they're all in one place at one time, it would be possible to do that. So I think that's kind of why they protect that size. You know, the other thing I would add to that, Ben, is um, there is no 
there is no minimum length limit. So some of these little right. males or our buck white bass that you catch are, they're small. I mean, we're talking like, we've caught them as small as like six inches and there's no minimum length limit to that. Yeah. And I want to repeat what Brian said earlier. We're only talking about Missouri. When you look at Texas, Oklahoma, they're so different. They have like a possession limit or a daily limit of 25, but they do have a minimum on certain species. So mm-hmm. of hybrids and of white bass. So what we're talking about here is, is if you're a Missouri listener and you're planning on going out in Missouri, then then this would work for you. Um, really anything we talk about going and doing outdoors, where, no matter where you listen, whether you're in Canada, we have right. listeners overseas, wherever you're listening at, make sure you, you check your regulations before you go. Um, from year to year, we have to check our regulations, and you should, one, because you forget things over time. You do. Two, yeah. regulations change. Uh, our, they should change. Our environments are changing. The amount of pressure is changing. We have biologists that are paid by the state to be studying these populations of wildlife, so they should be checking, adapting, and changing our regulations, and we have the responsibility when we go out to stay up to date with them because I didn't know is never an excuse when you're talking to Mr. Green Jeans. That's true, and I hope that they are doing science and studying these population numbers because... They are. You know... Ford Imaging, we'll get into this one day and talk about this, but Ford Imaging is changing the game on finding these fish and allowing anglers to catch more fish, thus maybe impacting the population size. Mm-hmm. So we'll see what the future holds in regards to that. But All right. We know you can how many you can catch uh-huh. and why they're going up the rivers. Mm-hmm. How do you do it? What kind of lures? What kind of line? What kind of poles? you got to have a boat. you got to have a bank. We touched on that a little bit. How are we catching these things? You know, there are so many different ideas on this. What I mean by that is when you see that springtime run happening, you're going to find all different types of anglers. You're going to see them anglers standing on the bank throwing fake bait. You're going to see anglers on the bank throwing live bait. You're going to see fly fishermen on the bank. Or actually, they're in the water, waiting in the water, yeah. fly fishing for these white bass too. And then you're going to see these big, huge bass boats coming up. And you're also going to see jet boats and little tiny canoes and, and homemade the boats, whole spectacle homemade going up and down this river. That's what's so crazy about white bass is that you it brings in so many different types of anglers. But what works for me and what I like to use is I usually use a spinning rod. And I'm going to use a moving bait that really mimics some sort of bait fish. What size spinning rod are we? Are we talking bass rod or little tiny crappie rod? What do we? What kind of? I have rod? Used, I use both. I tried both. I haven't found one that works better than the other. However, when you get into six and eight pound test, sometimes my lighter line, depending on water clarity, works a little better. But in the spring year, a lot of times our river systems are kind of muddy. Mm -hmm. Um, They've got some color to them. And so I don't think line and, and finesse honestly matters too much. However, I think the size of the bait does. I like my baits to be on the smaller from 16th to an eighth ounce small little one inch, two inch. We're talking like crappie jigs. We're talking smaller baits. If you are going to use something bigger, you know, there are a lot of guys using the Alabama rigs and putting on smaller jigs on there. Um, They work and they're catching multiple fish, but they're still presenting this smaller bait, two inches. I know Brian, he used a, he used a paddle tail. Yeah. And when you, if you're going to get up in this four or five inch Use stuff, a three inch, yeah. I just think it's too big. There's um, a reason I do that, though, because mm-hmm. you and I always go together. I know you're going to throw the small one, 
And honestly, I want those sows. I want those bigger fish. So the little eight, nine, ten inch males, um, I like to I like to leave them alone, and they're not going to be able to eat my three inch bait very well. So I'm trying to catch some of those bigger sows. I know that I may not get as many bites, but I want to find out if those bigger sows are biting and if they're right there mixed with all the males. So I'm throwing this little bit bigger bait, trying to get the bigger fish. You know what? I'm going to play the opposite side of this. You know. There are there are anglers that love to go out and only catch those little males and not the big females. And actually, we want to hear from you. Let us know if you are a white bass person that loves to go catch the big female white bass or are you the, the little males. And here's why. When you get into the larger female white bass, they have more red meat in them mm-hmm. than the little males do. And that's kind of been a debate that, a matter of fact, the other night I was talking to a local angler here. We were actually getting ready to play basketball, and we started talking about white bass are running. And he's like, I love these little, I love the little males about the size of the hand. He's like, that's perfect eating. And I was like, well, you're missing out, buddy, because these big females, they have just as much white meat. Yeah. And you can cut out the red meat, yeah, right. you know. And so we kind of got in this debate of which ones to catch. Well, me personally, I want to catch all of them. Yeah. You give them to me. Don't matter size. Don't matter length. I'm going to catch them and keep them because I'm going to eat all of them. So we'd love to hear from you. What do you love? The, to catch the big females, the sows? Or are you catching the bucks, the the bass, the, the little males? So I, you've already mentioned I'm using a uh, – it's actually a Bass Pro Speed Shad or, yeah. or Kitech Swimmer would be what the Bass Pro uh, Speed Shad is modeled off of. But it's a little 3-inch paddle tail rib swim bait. Um, and I'm throwing that, I actually throw it on, uh, a quarter ounce head because I like to keep them honest. I'll throw out to the deeper side of the river, Mm -hmm. uh, to make sure that there's not fish schooling and feeding out there. But when we're fishing in the shallow, a lot of times these fish, because it's so shallow, they like it really close to the bottom. Mm -hmm. They're only in three feet of water. So they're going to feel safe away from the birds. There's osprey and eagles and stuff flying around. So if there's three feet of water, they're going to be in that bottom foot of water. Mm -hmm. And they're so finicky when their bite is not on that you've really got to be working this bait slow and, you say, making them bite. And by making them bite, you mean little pops of the reel. You know, we we had a guy with us, um, and you were teaching him, pop that bait. And when you pop it or, or jerk it, you're swimming it through, and all of a sudden you give it a little erratic action. That's when you need to be ready. Yes. You need you need to be ready. And several times we were doing that, and they were even short striking us because this this trip we were on last week, it wasn't a feeding frenzy. We knew they were there. We couldn't visibly see them with our eyes, but we could see them on our electronics. The water was fifty five, so we knew they were there, and mm-hmm. we had caught a few the week before. Yep. Um, we knew they were there. There was actually a couple times where I could feel my bait running into them. A school of them yes, coming through them. I could feel my bait mm-hmm. hitting them, but they were not biting my bait. You know, and you can accidentally snag them. So whenever you're you're slow reeling and you feel that that bump or that change and you jerk, you can accidentally hook into them. And, and I've caught them that way as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but with white bass, you know, how to catch them is up to you. Some people use um, rooster tails and vibrix uh, spinning where you have, it's just feathers yeah. and um, jerk hair baits. and <laughs> jerk baits. Rattle traps. Yeah, there's so many. Some guy, I read an article that he was like, only use white. You can use anything you want to, but it has to be white. There are there are anglers that feel like they've got the one bait, you know, but that's what's so cool about white bass is they hit 
a lot of different moving baits. Mm-hmm. About any kind of moving bait that you throw, little spinner baits. Um, you know, Brian actually joked was like, "I'd like to try a, a little t- tiny chatter bait on these yeah. guys to see if a chatter bait would work." <clears throat> I imagine it would because it is a moving bait. You know, I've caught white bass on all. I mean, the whole color spectrum. I love swimming minnows. I use swimming minnows. That's like the number one go-to that I use. And, yeah. and the reason for that is because there's a wide variety of colors and they're low cost. It's actually really cheap to buy a package of, of them. And the hooks, just a just a single ball-headed hook is really, really cheap because if I get hung up and I break off, I'm keeping my cost down on what it costs to catch these guys. And I have an array of colors to to really slip on and try. You know, why, why is an array of colors important? Well, I've found that when they're not biting, when they're not doing their feeding frenzy, there are certain colors that work really depending on the the time of day. And so I have a range from using chartreuse to white to getting in your darker colors like mm-hmm. your magentas or purples, then all the way down into smoke. You know, there's been years where like smoke, that color was awesome. And then the next year, like magenta was awesome. And how I know that they were awesome is because I tried using the colors from the years past. You know, I was using blue thunder. I was using smoke and they're not hitting. And then the moment I'd put on like a purple or a magenta, boom, now right. I'm starting to, to, to make them hit even when it's not time to feed, you know, when they're not at all feeding. Another thing cool about white bass, though, is is once you catch one, if you have a buddy with you, have them ready to th- cast in right there where you're at. Because, matter of fact, I caught a black bass, and it's a decent black bass. I yeah. caught it on a little swimming minnow. <clears throat> and you were like, look, man, look. You're like, uh, the, the guy we had with you were like, throw in, cast in there. Because white bass were actually. They were chasing, though, as you were reeling in that yeah. largemouth. They were chasing chase, But they do that for their own kind as well. When you right. catch a white bass, you'll see other white bass following in, kind of like, I want it too, I want it too. Which is honestly why the Alabama rig, the A-Rig, is actually good to have on. Because if you're able to make one bite, you're going to start having those other whites chase, and they may actually lock on to that and want to hit it too. And with an Alabama rig, you know, you have three hooks here in Missouri is all we can use. So you have the the possibility of catching three white bass on one lure at one time, right? you know, which increases how many fish you can catch within your hour. So there's a lot of baits and lures you can catch them on. Just remember, their natural forage is minnows, different kinds of minnows and, and moving fish. They are only going to eat other fish, so that's what your lure should be imitating. Whether you are going to use an actual real live bait, another minnow, or you are using a, a plastic swimming minnow like Ben needs uh, loves to use. Mm-hmm. You know, needs might be the word. You need to use that <laughs> when you get out there. You just feel it. You need it. You know, I'm going to say for the last two years, I've been fishing these for 20-some-odd years, whatever. But the last two years, I've actually started moving into the crappie, the Bobby Garland world. Mm-hmm. And the reason is because they came out with this, I don't know if it's even, it may reach two inches, but it's a paddle tail. It's a really thin, tiny paddle tail. And I found that when I've got these stubborn white bass that are really kind of lock-jawed, like they're in shallow water, they're on that muddy bank side, and they really don't want to bite, that real tiny paddle tail bobby garland bait sometimes makes them hit when nothing else will so i've always got one tied on you kind of trickle it through there real slow and and give it a couple pops and and you'll usually get them get them going for us to throw our bigger baits in yep um people fishing from the bank i guess they're really kind of we're we go in a boat but people fishing from the bank they really are just gonna kind of find the same guy or follow the same guidelines right similar kinds of baits and rod and reel and correct just cover water right yeah i I think the if you're going to go try this from the bank take your kids try to throw up river you know you're going to have some sort of current in any 
yeah. water system, any river system, depending on how much they're pulling from the, the lake, um, from the dam, kind of changes the rate of your... Yeah, it changes the rate of flow. Changes right. the rate of flow, but always throw upriver and then let that bait kind of come down. And a tip that I found, when I have fished from the bank many years because I didn't own a boat. I didn't have a boat. This is the way that I got to get out and go fish is I would throw upriver, but I would keep my slack reeled in. I'd keep that line tight. So I am trying to, to let that bait float down, but I'm keeping my line tight so that the second I feel that itty bitty little tap or that little bitty bite, I'm able to jerk. If you throw upriver and you let all of that slack down and it's running down, you're going to miss some strikes. And you do have to jerk on these fish. These fish aren't like uh, maybe a catfish or a black bass where they come up and hail it and just run off with it and keep it. A lot of times they will spit it as fast as they bite or they yeah. short strike because they're, I don't know if it's, maybe they're not hungry. They're just more of aggressive. Like, well, hey, well, pop, pop. Schooling fish, a lot of times when they have bait fish in front of them, you're going to have these schooling fish like white bass going through shooting, trying to injure all these bait fish. And then they'll come through and they'll eat these injured mm. fish. So that's kind of what they do. A lot of times that first hit, um, I know a lot of times with white bass, they will hit mine and I'll actually hook them on the outside of their mouth, on the outside of that, that gill plate there or on the uh, outside of their hard kind of bony lip because they did that. They came and they tried to injure my, my shad, my fake bait, and it actually hooked them on the outside of the mouth. They're not truly eating it all the time. That's good. No, and that's, that does happen. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, for the bank fishermen, throwing up river, keeping that line tight, but then also experimenting with 16th of an ounce eighth of an ounce and a quarter of an ounce heads mm -hmm. on your fake baits because of how swift it is. You're going to have to use different weights, but I will say if you start getting hung up on the bottom a lot, then you're going to have to go lighter. If you're hanging up and breaking off, then you're going to have to go lighter um, and don't use that quarter ounce, then go to your eighth ounce. Try those weights to see, because you want to keep it right off the bottom. You don't want to be bouncing off the bottom, keep it right off the bottom, um, but keep it in their zone. Yeah. Um, another tip is to take live bait. You know, live bait can outproduce fake bait because once they kill it, they've tasted it, ooh, and they're going to go hit it again. So if you're on the bank and you want to increase your odds, go buy some minnows. Again, though, when you throw that up river, you're going to want to keep that line tight because as it's drifting along, if you feel that thump, they're going to take your bait and you're not going <laughs> to you're not gonna have a fish on and now you've lost a minnow. Um, you know, I think fake bait, live bait, it's kind of up for debate. It's whatever you prefer, go do. <laughs> you did not um, just do that. I just did it. <laughs> you know, I don't take live bait anymore. I only take fake bait. I think it's more more of the challenge. I like to if I think it's just a challenge for me. Um, I want to I want to be able to catch a limit on using fake plastic baits. Um, it's just kind of me. That's who I am. Yeah. Let's let's talk about our. We've been out twice so far this year, chasing. Uh, white bass and probably going to try to squeeze in another another go at it this week depending on the <laughs> the amount of programs we have to teach and, and dodging the storms when all yeah. that timing plays out but we went two weeks ago and then we went last week you know two weeks ago when we got out there the water was super clear and beautiful i mean just just emerald it was so it was beautiful yeah the water was not that high it was just kind of normal levels so we had to go we had to take the boat through i think the lowest was like three feet of water to get up to where we were going and so we thankfully made it all the way up there safe the water was really clear and it was still kind of cold you know we got there it was like 49 
Um, we kind of talked, you know, 50s, kind of that mark when we really start seeing a bunch of them up there. And that is actually what we found. There were not a whole lot of them up there. There were a few. I ended up catching one good female sow out on the deeper side of the river though, where yep. it was like nine, 10 feet deep. They weren't pushed up into that shallow uh, spot yet. We graphed a few, but you could tell even by looking at the graph, there was a few pockets of them here and there, but not the hordes of white bass pushed up into the river yet. So yep. then we decided to go again just this last week. Yep. And we did the same exact thing. We went all the way up as far as we could go. Um, for me, it's like, I want to go as far up the river as I can go, because if I can catch them up here, then I have a pretty good feeling that they're going to be from here all the way back down to the lake. I mean, right. at some point, you're going to have all kinds of different things happening. You're going to have fish that are coming up. You're going to have fish that have ready to spawn. You're going to have fish that have already spawned and are trying to head back. And so I love that area up. That first shoal on any river system is where I try to get to. You know, here in the Ozarks, when we have that heavy rain, the water levels come up. It kind of gets me excited because now I know I can get my bigger bass boat up into to the areas where well, the first hole is. That is a good point. The heavy rain we had between our trips, we had flooding. Yes. We had flooding between our trips. Mm-hmm. So when we went back out, I mean, there was like it was different. F- five feet more <laughs> yeah. of water. There was so much more water, and we did have to dodge a lot of debris. You were doing your best Dale Earnhardt driving that boat oh, through I all did. those logs. And yeah. I don't. I think we only hit one smaller log. And yeah. Got a stainless steel prop, and so we were, we were good to go. I say stainless steel is, man, a lot more durable than an aluminum. Yeah. You know? But, but we made it all the way up there. Boat was intact. We were all still in there. And fishing was a little better. There was a lot more fish. That water temperature was like 53, 54 in right. the morning when we right. got up there. So we knew we'd warmed up four or five degrees. There was going to be more fish. And pretty quickly, you caught a couple. It was not on fire. It wasn't no. this, let's fill the boat with three limits. Uh, we had another guy with us. That's why I say three, but it was, uh, you called them uh, lockjawed. They were they were mm-hmm. pretty lockjawed. They were there. There was enough of them on some casts. I was, like I said, I was feeling them with my bait. Um, but we ended up catching, was it seven or eight? I think uh, we ended up catching seven or eight. We had to, I was thinking 10. I, I think yeah. I've told some people 10. Okay, so maybe, I don't know if it's 10, around but, there. Yeah, right around that number. But it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. We really had to work our baits really slow, really close to the bottom. Um, you had to make them bite it, and then when they did bite it, you had to be really quick to, to set that hook and, and get them in. Um, while fishing for them, we realized that black bass fishing was pretty good because we caught just as many or more largemouth bass while we, we were did. up in the river. So yeah. once we realized it wasn't on fire, we kind of headed back down toward the lake and wanted to go catch um some some black bass because that's what yeah. we really 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 love you know what the actual number because i i did clean them we had eight white bass or excuse me we had nine white bass and we had one crappie, one crappie. i caught a crappie while while trying to catch white yep. bass I'll, I'll call it an accident i accidentally caught a crappie you know and but that's what's so fun <laughs> about it because there are other species that are moving up walleye are another one that are coming up and you can catch too but yeah you caught a really good um crappie uh-huh. and that's something i'm going to add to my plate because crappie taste yeah amazing because you'd be silly not to. i know it you know <clears throat> taking about talking about taste you said they were tasty earlier we know they're tasty there's a lot of people that don't like them because well, of the red meat. Well, talk about how you clean them. I, 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 we don't have that on our outline here, but I think that would be foolish of us to leave out because the way you fillet these fish is so important to the way they taste and the way they cook up. And I would love for you to share that because you taught me. So if you like salmon, you love that fishy taste, then you're going to love white bass for the way they are. Mm-hmm. You know, and I fillet all my white bass. So 
I'm going to lay my my fish on its side. I'm going to come down. I'm going to cut at an angle right along the ribs, and I'm going to flip that over, and then I'm going to really remove the skin off to where I have a skinless fillet. You know, that's how I like to to cook my fish. There's no bones after that. You're going to cut that if you got too deep and you have the rib cage in there. I call it the rib cage, but those rib bones, you're going to cut those out, and then now you have just a really a boneless piece of meat, yeah. which is awesome. I am not a huge fan of salmon. You know, call me weird. I've heard it all my life. Why don't you like salmon? I just, it's too fishy for me. You have been said to have a shallow palate, man. Very shallow. <laughs> Very. I love my meat and potatoes. But I have found that when I remove the red meat, <laughs> call me silly again, you can see the textures different. Yeah. But I've had crappie and white bass, and I've fried them together in chunks. I've cut them up in chunks, but I've fried them together. And I honestly didn't know. Which was which? After you've taken that red meat strip out. After I took the red meat out. So, so you've got I've, this. You've got this white meat fillet of white bass, and yeah. right down the median line, that re- lateral line of that fillet, is this little strip of of darker meat, and that's where that fishy, oily taste comes from. So he's talking about he literally just carves that little strip out. Then he can't tell the difference between that and crappie. Now, if you're talking about the <clears throat> bigger sows, when you make your first cut and you come down right along the the internal bones of that fish, and you flip it over. If you go really deep and you keep your blade really close to that skin when you're making your fillet, you will have a massive amount of red meat. I'm talking the whole thing on the backside looks red. But you can take your fillet knife, and you can get right underneath the red and the white, and you can remove that red out, and that will take out that oily, well, it is oil. You're going to take out that fat part of it, and you're going to keep that whiter, flakier, meat and it's going to taste less fishy the other little thing that i do that helps me to to really cook them faster and i think tastes better is i cut them in halves and sometimes thirds on my fillets when i'm frying them up Mm -hmm. and so i'll cut them into thirds i'll take the fillet i'll cut it into a third make sure there's no red meat in it and then i'll batter them up throw them in that fryer and about the time that they float they're ready to be pulled out but if you like a little crispier like i do on the outside crispy on the outside and and flaky on the inside, I leave them really till they turn golden brown. But some people just love them as soon as they float because by the time they are ready to eat. It is when you see them float and you're like, you know, you can eat it and your mouth watering. It's hard not to pull them out of there because, <laughs> goodness, a, a good spring fish fry is it so is. good. You know, we only fish for a couple hours. We probably could have stayed and put a limit or two together. Um, a lot of times with these white bass, there will be this, there will be a window at some point in the day and, and mm-hmm. you either learn when that is or you get lucky and be there but there would have uh, could have been a strike of thunder in the distance or the light changed as clouds moved away or clouds moved in something environmental changed and these fish will trigger and they start biting and it is like in every cast deal and you can load the boat really quick we knew we had enough for a meal or two uh, fillets mm-hmm. we really wanted to go catch it is spring we know it's pre-spawn and there are big, largemouth bass moving up, and we had to go down by the lake we and check try. to see if we could get some. And we thankfully did, because you caught like a four, four and a half pounder. Yeah, it was awesome to see you catch, oh, catch so that good. big fish. Felt so really good. good. It really did to <laughs> feel a bite that goes thunk. You know, like white bass, they kind of hit hard. When you catch a white bass, it is the fight. I mean, they pull and they tug, and I mean, you really have to play it. If you're using four pound, six pound test. They can break your line pretty quick, yeah. so you have to be careful. But with this largemouth, let me tell you, that that bite, I mean, when it hit, I knew. 
I knew. And when I loaded up that rod, bending it back, trying to rip those lips off, oh, it feels so good. But those are just two different types of fishing. Like they're different. You know, for white bass, I'm moving that bait. I'm really moving, moving, trying to get them to bite. That largemouth, I was throwing a jig mm -hmm. and I'm fishing on the bottom. <clears throat> and it is different. You know, with white bass fishing, it just, it gets me so excited. There was an evening that I went out and I remember it was around 8 p.m. and there was a thunderstorm brewing in the background. And you could see the thunderheads, the clouds that are starting to build, build. But I knew it wasn't supposed to come over us. But as it was building and building, I could see the lightning off in the distance, but I didn't hear that thunder. But I thought, you know what, we're going to stay here, we're going to fish. And it got darker and darker. And it wasn't completely dark yet, but that storm had got close enough to us where you could start feeling and hearing the rum rumble of that thunder. And Brian, every time that that thunder hit, we would cast out and you would catch a white bass. Every time. Every time that there was thunder, you would catch a white bass. And you've got to experience that, guys. I'm not saying go out in a thunderstorm. That is not smart. Don't do that. But if you're out fishing and you can hear that, that that storm building way off in the distance, we're talking, that storm was probably in Oklahoma and I'm yeah. living here in Missouri, but you could still hear and feel that, that thunder rumble, man, those fish would bite. And I don't know why they were doing it, but it was so much fun. But you'll find those times throughout the day, just like Brian's saying, that they're ready to eat. And every cast you can catch one, you can limit out within an hour and have your 15 and you're ready to go home and clean them. So I've got so many stories like that, but... If you is, don't have a boat, that that's your, okay. Is that your favorite white bass story, or you got another good one you want to share with us? I don't, there are so many, and I've, <laughs> and I've taken so many different people, and it's I have all these memories of, of all the people that I've taken, but I think the one that, honestly, my uncle, he took me so many times way up the river. He's the one that actually taught me the names of these places, and I think that's been so key because when you talk to a lot of the uh, local anglers, you know they'll be like, well, I've... I've only caught them in Asher Kane's bottom. Yeah. There's not a lot of people that know what that name is, you know, and and when you start hearing the local talk about where they're at and Gentry Cave and all these, the local names, these aren't names you're going to find on a map. Right. You know, you don't pull out a map and it's like, so to know the names, I'm so thankful that that I learned those at a young age, that I know the areas that I'm fishing. Um, there's so much, there's so many memories from there, man. I just can't pick one. I, that story of the thunder, the reason I share it is because it was unique that it was the thunder that was making these fish strike. Yeah. It had really nothing to do with how well I was working my bait. It was the thunder yeah. <laughs> that was causing him to hit. It was crazy. Well, I'll share a white bass story. You and I were fishing. This was, it's been several years, maybe as much as 10 years ago. I, I can't remember exactly what the year was, but we were actually fishing a bass tournament uh, mm -hmm. for, for black bass. Uh, it was around Memorial Day, so towards, towards the end of May. And we were fishing a spot, and man, when we got to that spot in the morning, we we whacked them. I mean, we we had our limit of, of five. I think we had all spotted bass at that time yeah. real quick, and we were upgrading like a few ounces here and there. We, were, we, we probably caught 25, 30 fish in an hour and a half. Well, all of a sudden, the spot that we're fishing, it, it, we could tell what was happening was that these fish were pushing bait fish up onto a flat and kind of ambushing them. Things had kind of slowed down, and all of a sudden, dude, it was like, an explosion the water came alive these fish were coming up exploding mm -hmm. and it was in casting distance yeah and we had uh top water spooks and and swim baits on and we casted into this explosion thinking man we really need like this four or five pound largemouth and we'd only been catching black bass so mm -hmm. we're like this is awesome yeah 
We cast in there, and I mean simultaneously, our baits hit the water. We both set the hook. I got one, and we're both like, <laughs> yeah. it's a good one, it's, it's good a good one. one. And then it kind of sinking feeling because yep. Yep. they just keep pulling and digging down, yep. and it's different than a black bass. And what we ended up catching was uh, huge, like four four to five pound big white bass. Mm-hmm. Big. They may have even been hybrids. They could have been, yeah. They were so big, but... It was fun to catch them, and any other time of year, we would have been so ecstatic, but it was kind of a letdown because we were in a tournament wanting black bass, and it was still kind of going on. We cast in, we did this two or three times. We've caught, you know, we probably caught 30 pounds in five minutes of these giant white bass. It was really cool, one, because it was on top water, two, because they were were so big, and it was just this, this unusual explosion. And by the end of May, this was actually back out way, way down from the river, out on that main open water lake. They it does not take them long to get up the river, do their thing, and get back out living their living their life in the main water. You know, I, I want to share mm. one thing here that you said because you were talking about weight, and that's something that there are some differences to a white bass, a hybrid striped bass, and a striped bass. And so your stripers, if you're in a, if you're on a body of water that has striped bass, those things can exceed. 20 pounds. I mean, they get really, really big. Then you have the hybrids Brian was talking about. They, oh, they can't exceed 10 pounds. I mean, that's where we're talking about. You and I have, I imagine, caught hybrids because these were some monster fish. But they they get up to about 10. Then you get into the white bass. They rarely exceed exceed like that three-pound mark. You know, can you have your one-offs? Maybe. You know, but that kind of gives you a rule of thumb. White bass... Around three pounds at max, you have your hybrids around 10 at max, and then you have your stripers, which we're talking about 20 at max. And that kind of gives you an idea of you can fish bodies of water that have all three mm-hmm. in them as well. So know your species before you go. Know the, the rules. Know your limits and your sizes before you go. Well, hopefully listening to this, you're excited, as excited as we are, and you want to go back out. We are going to try to get out this week. It is the first week of April, so depending on where you live, you're either, it may be past if you're in the south uh, in the U.S. If you're kind of in the middle U.S. or southeast like we are, then you're right at that time. Up north, um, it's coming here just in the next week or two, so be ready. We hope that you guys go find a place to give this a try and catch some white bass. Here's a reminder. If you're going up in your boat to chase white bass, be careful of flooding conditions. Be careful of all the debris. I don't want your boats yep. getting injured, and I definitely don't want you getting hurt. If you are going to fish from the bank, I know it can be more difficult, but also keep your eyes peeled because mushroom season's almost here. And if not, it's right there in your area. So all the bank fishermen out there, you have a plus, you have an added reason to get out is because you may find a mushroom along the way. Looking for those morel mushrooms. If you do get a chance to go out and give this a try, please let us know how you do. Send us pictures. Just give us an update for where you're at. We're going to put a couple pictures up from our most recent trip, and if we get some more this week, we'll we'll put those up as well. The best way to contact us is m2boutdoors at gmail.com. You can also reach out on Facebook, Instagram as well. We will be back on Tuesday with a brand new episode of our Total Outdoorsman series. And until that time, we hope that you find time to get outdoors. Thank you for listening to the Meant to Be Outdoors podcast, hosted by Brian Hoffmeyer and Ben Brandell. Please help us by subscribing. Also, follow along on TikTok, Instagram, and Facebook.